Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. Federal stimulus checks began arriving in people's bank accounts last week, but many individuals and small businesses are still struggling as the economic impacts of the pandemic continue to grow. The $2 trillion Federal CARES Act promised help for small businesses and displaced workers affected by the economic shutdown. But Jake Steinberg reports one month after the bill's passage, the promised help has not materialized for many Arizonans. For businesses not deemed essential, the last month has been tough, to say the least. We've been totally shut down since, uh, well, since they shut us down. (laughs) Nicole Rivera and her husband own Apex Mixed Martial Arts in Tucson, where they teach judo, kickboxing, and jujitsu. The training is intensive. People join their gym because they want to compete or learn practical self-defense. So it actually has to work. (laughs) We have to charge more because we've actually put a lot into our credentials. But because of the coronavirus, she has had to move her training online. Now, her business competes with countless free online workout videos. We're going to go for five exercises. We have a bit of a situation going on with the coronavirus. Today, I'm going to take you through the only at-home workout that you really need. Rivera says she's losing members by the week. A lot of people are hanging with us because they know us and they appreciate it. But at the same time, it's really expensive compared to what people can get for free, you know. Rivera has applied for both forms of business help provided in the CARES Act. There's the Small Business Administration's Economic Injury Disaster Loans. And then there's the Paycheck Protection Program, which is a forgivable loan meant to help businesses keep people employed. But both programs quickly ran out of money. On Tuesday, Congress added nearly $500 billion to them. But so far, Rivera hasn't seen a dime. And she's not alone. Interviews with local business owners, accountants, and chambers of commerce reveal very little of that money made it to southern Arizona. I have not spoken to anybody that has gotten funded. Isabel Georgelos is the head of the Tucson Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I called her to find out how so many businesses could be left out. She says many are trapped in the application process, which asks for organized and detailed financial documents. Depending on what your business is, you're going to need your payroll information, payroll record, 1099-941 for your quarterly tax filings for all four quarters for 2019. You're going to need a payroll register, ID, front and back. It's a lot. (laughs) Many small businesses, especially minority-owned businesses, don't have this information on hand. That's according to Anthony Villari. He's a CPA who does bookkeeping and accounting services for small companies in Tucson. Like Georgelos, he says the federal money was spent before many businesses could join the queue. But he says the Paycheck Protection Program had a critical flaw. It was administered by the banks. We knew And we told people this that Monday morning. We told them the banks are not going to want to work with you. He says banks are risk-averse institutions. That's why national chains like Shake Shack and Potbellies were able to secure loans, while thousands of small businesses have been forced to wait. These guys got prioritized, and the reason they got prioritized is there is a fee structure that goes with the PPP loans. So they were doing the math on where can we deploy these funds and kind of get our best bang for our buck. Without the government's help, many businesses have had to fend for themselves. Valari says many are simply running out of cash. Unfortunately, as a business owner, what you end up having to dispense with 
to save the most money is uh, labor and your employees. And the problem is, is if you don't have PPP funds, all you're doing now is you're laying those people off and you're pushing them into an unemployment system that's backed up. Since mid-March, the Arizona Department of Economic Security has received over 400,000 applications for unemployment benefits. The state has paid out over $250 million in the past two weeks. But in Arizona, people who are self-employed or those who work in the gig economy still can't collect unemployment, even though there are federal funds set aside for that. Technical issues have kept DES from expanding unemployment benefits. That's put people like MMA gym owner Nicole Rivera in an especially tough spot. She applied for unemployment, but was told she doesn't qualify yet. She still has to pay rent on her 4,000 square foot gym, on top of all her personal expenses. We're definitely not going to bring bring anything home to pay for our own bills. You know, we'll be lucky if we can break even. I don't know if that's going to happen. Rivera has sent a proposal to the city for how she could reopen her gym and maintain social distancing. Next week is the first of the month, and despite the stimulus checks, many are unsure if they'll be able to pay their bills. People are finding ways to stretch their finances. I called Hughes Federal Credit Union to see how their customers are faring. We appreciate your patience. We are experiencing a high volume of calls. Spokesperson Kelly Turhune Neely says their auto refinancing is up nearly 40%, and personal loan requests are also up. I think people are looking to lower like payments. They're paying off higher costing loans and refinancing to lower their payments and lower the interest that they pay. Tucson resident Alexa Ariel Estrada has extended her car loan by a month to lower her payment. She lost her job due to the coronavirus and is now looking for work. I have a phone bill, um, rent, electric, like most people, and then the car payment. Many people have already received their federal stimulus checks, but Estrada is still waiting. The IRS sent hers to an old bank account. She's contacted the bank, but she hasn't gotten a firm answer on when her check will come, and she's unsure how long the money will last. I feel like some of these checks, like obviously they're meant to go towards helping people and their bills, but I still notice there are are a lot of people that have still been going out, and it's just kind of still an epidemic that the virus is still going to be moving as long as people are moving. Some Republican governors have started to ease restrictions on social distancing. So far, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey has not announced a date for reopening the economy. For The Buzz, I'm Jake Steinberg. Businesses of all sizes are hurting right now. Thomas Barr is the executive director of Local First Arizona, an organization that advocates for and supports more than 3,500 locally owned businesses statewide. He says his members are struggling. It has been a devastating and um, really, really challenging time for small businesses. Um, Not only in a non-pandemic time do small businesses need support to compete with national and large companies, depending on their industry, but in a pandemic, they need support navigating the assistance that's being provided. They need support knowing what an SBA loan is and what it means and how to navigate the website and what's the difference between that and a PPP loan and what banks are are, are accepting new accounts and how do I apply and what if I'm only have been in business less than a year? There are so many situations 
that small businesses are in. And so they're frustrated, they're confused, they're dealing with anxiety, not knowing if this thing they pull, they've, they've poured their life savings into is going to survive in, in a few weeks or a few months. So if you could imagine being in that position, um, they are looking for every lifeline that may exist. We've all heard plenty about the difficulties getting that first round of business relief money like the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program you were talking about. It sounds like you're hearing the same thing. To try and put some good news on it, have you heard about any successes with this? We have. Um, so in that first round of PPP lending, I think we dealt with a high level of frustration and, and, and anger from businesses who were getting turned down by the big banks who um, didn't know how to navigate the system and weren't getting a lot of answers. And then a few days later heard that, you know, I think it was announced that 21 publicly traded companies actually got access to the PPP funding. So, I mean, a high level of frustration, right? Um, however, there were some companies we knew of that got funding in the first round. And even now um, we have seen businesses um, move along in the process and in the queue for the second round of PPP funding, mostly from smaller regional community banks. What are some other options that local companies have besides the SBA loans and the PPP, uh, SBA being the Small Business Administration, just more of that federal help? What are some of the other options, especially for, as you said, a startup business, maybe somebody who hasn't been in for a year yet? Yeah, depending on where the business is, there could be other funds, grants, or loans that could be available to them. Um, at Local First Arizona, we actually launched our own small business relief fund three weeks ago. We were able to raise uh, around $750,000 that we've been deploying to micro businesses in the community. Um, and when I say micro, I mean businesses with less than three employees. Um, and this, these were no strings attached grants. We've been able to give out up to $2,500 so that businesses could keep food on the table for their families over the next few weeks. Um, so we've been able to deploy 500000 of of that uh, money pool right now. We're continuing to fundraise for it, and it's open for businesses across the state. Um, and then there's, there's other funds and, and grant opportunities as well. We're seeing private and, uh, and public institutions partner in different ways and move as quickly as they can to try to get different avenues of funding to businesses right now. The, I think the bottom line is we need more of it. When the stay-at-home order went into effect, we heard a lot of push to, if you're going to use a restaurant uh, or you have to go out and use one of the essential businesses, use a local business. Don't use one of the big national chains. Have local companies seen new customers Yes, I, I believe so. Um, there's been a, a statewide effort um, from everyone, uh, um, I think, that uh, to support businesses um, that cannot have you come in and dine with them anymore. So while um, this effort is is important and it's it's very good for people to continue supporting small businesses um, in that way, I think it's also important to recognize that it's not enough. Um, most, I spoke to a, a cafe just last week um, that is operating at 10% of, of the revenue that um, you know she used to be bringing in. So whatever you can do to go the extra mile for these businesses, it is incredibly important right now. Um, and that's not just getting takeout. Uh, restaurants right now can sell grocery items to go. So 
I know places like Hotel Congress are doing that. Um, so there's different ways that you can get what you need and support those businesses at the same time. So we need to be lifting, uh, lifting up every rock and figuring out a way to do it. How do smaller companies recover when this stay-at-home order is lifted? Then are there things they need to start doing now for whenever this changes back? Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's the big question right now, which is when. Um, when will we start returning to being out in society again? And what will that mean for my business? So not only do businesses need to plan for the phase in process, right? And a recognition that that phasing in may take some time for people to start being frequently in their businesses again. So what we're encouraging businesses right now to really think about is how can you get to September or October knowing that you're not going to have the revenue that you had before? Um, so you need to not only be applying for financial assistance and, and getting all of that right now, but how do you pivot your company to exist and operate digitally or through a different model? Or how do you find new markets to feed your products or services to, to gain new avenues of revenue for your company? So we need businesses thinking creatively, thinking, in, thinking innovatively and getting ready for that long-term phase in, and then being prepared for new standards of operating once we do recover or start to recover. It's going to be a different world and, and businesses need to psychologically, mentally prepare for it. Thanks for uh, joining us here online and uh, spending a little time with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That was Thomas Barr, the executive director of Local First Arizona, which advocates for locally owned businesses in the state. Governor Doug Ducey's March 30th stay-at-home order closed most businesses across the state. Only those deemed essential are open. Pawn shops are one of those exceptions. The Buzz reached out to several Tucson pawn shops to see if they've seen a rise in business from people needing access to quick cash. Most stores we talked to said they've actually seen fewer people coming in to pawn or sell items than before the stay-at-home order began. Anecdotally, some say they've seen a drop in customers like most other retail stores, but others said they've seen big increases in the sales of firearms and electronic devices like laptops and tablets. One pawn shop owner suggested that federal stimulus money, tax returns, and the lack of other retail options were behind his spike in business. With the federal stimulus checks coming in, some people are wondering what to do with that financial shot. Pay bills? Put it aside? Spend it? We talked with Pat Raskob, President and Senior Financial Advisor at Raskob Camboran Financial Advisors in Tucson, to get some advice on personal finances during these stressful times. She recommends people spend their federal stimulus checks on food and necessities in order to avoid tapping into savings. And if you don't need that money because you're fortunate enough to have continuing income, why probably helping some of the charities like the Food Bank and Pima Council on Aging and United Way to help feed the rest of the community would be a good idea. If you are fortunate enough to have a paycheck right now, is it a good idea to try and save a little extra? Well, hopefully people have followed the general rule that's been out there forever to have a three to six month emergency fund and spending the um, 
federal money that they send you is probably the first thing to do. You've got to look at your particular situation and then gauge from your situation what you can or cannot do. When it comes to things like rent and mortgage, uh, some folks have been given the opportunity to put off those payments. If people can make the payments, is it a good idea to still make them or should they go ahead and just put them off until later? Once again, it's unique to the individual. If you feel that you're going to be in good shape and not lose your job, delaying the mortgage and paying it later is an okay kind of thing. But if you're going to be jobless and you aren't sure that you're going to get it back, I think it's almost an important thing because if you can delay it four months, uh, that gives you a period of time to try and find a new income area. When it comes to things like savings, if someone finds themselves out of work and they're looking at their savings, but they have a couple of different options, maybe they have over the years been able to fund a retirement plan, a 401k, and they have just a regular what we used to call a passbook savings account. Is there a better option to, if you have to dip into that nest egg? Should you go with the passbook savings account? Should you try and pull money out of a 401k, that kind of thing? Well, there is a current ability under the uh, Catastrophe Act to take up to 100000 out of the IRA. And if you pay it back within three years, while you have to pay tax on it the year that you take it out, there'll be no penalty. And then in the pre succeeding years, if you put it back in, you can file an amended return and get what you paid in tax back on it. A Roth is if you've funded a Roth and if the money's been there five years, that can come out tax free. And maybe one of the things, if you're still working and getting a paycheck instead of putting as much in the 401k as you have been, you would cut that down to just what the company will match and not deposit quite so much into the 401k, which would give you more income in your paycheck until this is all over with. If there are people who, again, have lost jobs or have had hours cut back or something like that, and they don't have savings or retirement plans that they can tap into, are loans the best way to go? Well, it's a tough way to go if you don't own a business or, or have a place to get a line of credit. A fallback, of course, would be the family if they can help out. But then there is a bill in front of Congress currently called the Emergency Dollars for the People. If Congress would get back to work, the concept is that each individual over the age of 16 would receive 2000 a month as long as this is considered a disaster. And um, for people who make less than 130000 as singles or 260000 as a married couple, this payment would come in tax-free. So it all depends on Congress getting back to work and, and passing it. I would assume when it comes to that emergency money, one of the things you would advise against, if at all possible, is credit cards, title loans, payday loans, that kind of thing. Don't go for the high interest unless you absolutely correct. have to. Yeah, that's absolutely correct most all the time. When it comes to paying bills, if people are finding themselves really financially strapped right now and they have to make choices, is there a good way to prioritize what gets paid and what 
maybe you let slide a little? Well, one thing would be to talk to each of the companies about what their policy is, because if the company is giving a four-month delay and not charging penalties or interest, you might put those on hold. And if you have a company that says, absolutely, there's a late payment penalty or whatever, go for those first, because some of the late payment penalties are really onerous. They're so high. And it's you would hope that you would not develop more uh, late penalties than necessary. Since you've been in the financial advice industry, when things return to what we used to call normal, do you think people will just go out and start spending again? Or do you think people will look around and maybe uh, keep a little held back in their savings? I'm sure that we will have a rebound. I just don't know how fast it'll be. I think there is money sitting on the sidelines currently that people are concerned about how long this is going to last and what is going to happen. It's a whole new world out there. (laughs) Yes, it is. Thank you so much for chatting with us, Pat. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That was Tucson Financial Advisor Pat Raskob. Spending your money locally and contributing to charities are a couple of ways those with more resources can help right now. But some economically vulnerable people have other tools to get through tough times. Megan Carney is an assistant professor in the School of Anthropology at the University of Arizona. Her work looks at the interconnections of migration, health, food, and economic systems. Nico Guerra spoke with Carney to learn more about how her research applies to these unusual times. Communities all over are working to absorb the blow the pandemic has brought on our financial and social lives, but not everyone has access to the same resources. Megan Carney says some groups are already more vulnerable to the crisis due to structural inequality. This would include anyone who faces economic marginalization, um, so low-income households and communities, or political marginalization, such as immigrants with precarious legal status or no citizenship status, so those who are undocumented, and their families, um, as well as anyone who faces any form of social marginalization. Carney says there are various forms of alternative economic practices that have existed for a long time prior to the pandemic, some of which may be serving a vital purpose right now. Social scientists often discuss these alternative economic practices as mutual aid. And um, part of their inception really relates to uh, a concern for distributing wealth within a collective so that you are preventing the uneven accumulation of wealth by any individual within a collective. And um, this is particularly notable in egal- societies that are more egalitarian, where you have um, a balance of power among individuals rather than concentrated in particular classes or among particular individuals. She says some aspects from her research in the U.S. and Italy include resource pooling in low-income and immigrant communities. In some cases, that means households and individuals pitching money into sort of rotating credit associations or sharing housing, childcare responsibilities, and food. So mutual aid allows for the circulation of and redistribution of wealth in what might be um, especially a resource-scarce context. 
She says these kinds of mutual aid practices are more common among groups that have stronger and deeper social connections. That gives them access to certain resources that can act as a buffer in times of crisis. So you can think of them as a social insurance plan um, or preventative measure. Societies that, that do tend to have more social capital or more you know, they, they, they are richer in social capital. They tend to be more resilient during times of crisis. Carney says it's important not to romanticize alternative economic practices of mutual aid or treat them as standalone solutions to the pre-pandemic reality of income inequality or economic vulnerability. Just because they have these systems in place to a certain extent for pooling resources as a survival strategy, really. I mean, these are survival strategies. Um, Doesn't mean that we should dismiss the need for structural changes. They're not sufficient to deal with or respond to the myriad problems created by a society that is, is, unequal as ours, as inequitable as ours in the distribution of resources and wealth. Carney says the pandemic is an opportunity to re-examine some of the most fundamental systems in our lives. Everything from education to healthcare, market logics, and food. Broadly speaking, we live in a society where we've sort of normalized or naturalized greed and the desire for wealth and to accumulate more wealth than others. So we feel like we're in this constant competition with others. She says research in epidemiology has shown more inequality can translate to less overall well-being and that we should consider how reducing that inequality could lead to improved collective financial, physical, emotional, and mental well-being. If our goal is to be happy or content, Um, or to have a positive outlook on life and feel compassion um, for others and to feel like we belong and that we have rich social networks, um, meaningful relationships, we um, really should rethink how wealth is distributed in our society and be willing to consider alternatives, that this is that moment where we can do something for the collective good. For The Buzz, I'm Nico Guerra. And that's The Buzz for this week. You can find continued reporting on the pandemic from the AZPM news team and all of our episodes online at azpm.org. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor. Vanessa Ontiveros is our production assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Duncan Moon is the interim news director. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.